and welcome to another special edition of Relics of War. I am once again your host, Shongaku, joined by Kate, a.k.a. Spirit. How are you doing tonight, Spirit? Hello, I'm doing well. And we are also joined from the Guild Attuned, Ozma. How are you doing tonight, Ozma? I'm doing very well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a it's our pleasure. Tell us a little bit about Attuned as a guild. Well, Attuned originally started up uh, just after the release of the Triple Trouble Worm. We were pretty much the main NA force for the first NA kill. Uh, we did that with the Blackgate server to help and other friends, of course. During the, the organization and the brainstorming for how to complete the event, we eventually got together and formed Attuned, which uh, formally uh, started doing their events just after the NA first kill. Cool. And... What was your? What has been your experience beforehand with uh, raiding in general? My first hardcore foray into raiding actually started with EverQuest One back in uh, probably about two thousand two thousand one. Uh, working on that for a long period of time and, and getting that content down. And uh, about seven years after that is when I started going hardcore raiding into World of Warcraft, and I did that up until I started Guild Wars Two. Neat. So with the Triple Trouble Worm Kill, can you walk us through how attuned? develop their strategies for Triple Trouble? Many, many unslept hours uh, is the best way I could describe it. We, most of the people who were there brainstorming the, the main ideas and main tactics for the worm when we first did a kill had been online for uh, anywhere from 24 up towards the 36 to 48 hours. Um, it was a pretty a pretty grueling ordeal, but you know, after just trial and error and trial and error, we eventually started understanding the mechanics and getting through and getting our strategies recognized and realizing what we had to do to actually complete the event. Very cool. That sounds pretty intense. So now that you've had it, played it for a while, is it pretty much on farm mode now that it's been out for, what, a year now? Um, putting it on farm mode, I would say, is is not necessarily the right way I would put it. Being a content able, being able to complete the content on a consistent basis is more along the lines of what I would go with. Uh, putting on farm means that you can do it in your sleep with, you know, minimal effort. Unfortunately, a triple trouble worm does require some, some actual execution of effort on parts of the people participating and the leaders, of course, leading the, the actual encounter. Cool. So with the triple trouble and the marionette, did you guys participate in the marionette in the analysis and development of the strategies for the marionette as well? We didn't really focus so much on the marionette when it first came out. We did, of course, participate quite a bit, and we did offer uh, suggestions in the maps that we were in. Unfortunately, due to, of course, the the, the mechanics and the the, t- the way that they handled the, the multiple servers at that time, was a bit harder for us to get all our people in one map consistently. Um, so I was there for, I think, the, the third kill. So it was either the third or the fourth. Uh, that was, of course, our black gate. Um, and that was mostly just people getting together and just working it out and, and figuring out what needed to be done. Um, but we have worked on on doing, you know, organized kills when that was out, uh, as well as the Scarlet Battle uh, Invasion of L- L.A. stuff as well. You mentioned um, having trouble getting everyone on one map. How are you dealing with mega servers now that they're a thing? It's a lot easier once we've understood the mechanics and how they work. Um, we're able to... Um, we're not as consistent as, say, t- uh, you know, TTS as popping our own map, but we still are able to manage to get our own fresh maps and still be able to carry people in. Um, there are, of course, a few bugs. The the um, unwrapping a guild to actually get into certain instances type of thing. Um, the pigeonholing of guilds in a certain map doesn't help much either. But ultimately, we are we are actually coping with that quite uh, quite easily now, and now that we're able to understand how that works, it's a lot easier than it was in the past. Cool. 
Well, I, w- I ran a worm and a Tequaddle one with you guys, and that was a lot of fun. It was, it was very interesting to see, because I've run it now with uh, TTS and you guys, and it's interesting to see the similarities and differences between the two different groups. And there's also been a lot of similarities and differences between people's points of view on the new rating, which is what we're mainly going to be talking about tonight. So we'll move into that now, and we'll start talking about uh, accessibility. It's been a big question for a lot of the different, for the different interviews that we've done, as well as on the CDI. How do you feel about how accessible rage should be? When I think about rating, I tend to, to migrate towards the traditional concepts of rating, you know, the, the large content that's hard, requires a lot of coordination, a lot of effort, a lot of input from the players involved. And I look at the way Guild Wars 2 is structured, and Arena has done a supremely good job of trying to make all their content accessible to as many people as they can. Unfortunately, I don't see that being a good uh, balance for Guild Wars 2 to have that, that classic hardcore rating that a lot of people are, are wanting to, uh, to go towards that was present um, in a lot of their suggestions on the rating CDI. So, I, oh, keep going, go ahead. Uh, I think accessibility should be a, a good thing to start with. Um, there should not be, you know, any, any hard limits to getting people out of that content. I think it should be accessible to all. But at the same time, I, I think that it needs that nice balance between um, difficult and accessible content. Cool. One thing that a lot of people have talked about with accessibility, do you believe that there should be any form of gating? For it, where people have to establish if they are going to create a difficult content, do you think that there should be some way in the game that players should establish a baseline skill level before being allowed into the raid? For entry level, I would say no. Um, if you're going to have a multiple tier style um, content of that raid, i.e. you start at the base level and then of course get progressively difficult as the, the raid goes on, then I would say then maybe at the middle point is when you should start introducing those those kind of gear checks or those kind of those checks to stop people from continuing on before they realize what they need to do. Now with gear checks, that's another thing that a lot of people have talked about is Right now, we sort of have ascended as the top-tier gear. Do you think that that should be entry-level gear, or do you feel that 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 it should be exotic-based? Or what's your feelings on gearing for raids? I would have to say that exotic should be the the typical entry-level, that all content at entry-level should be geared towards exotic, because um, whereas extended gear is nice to have, it is very much a time-gated content. To unlock, it takes a, quite a bit of time or effort or money to actually build all those items in order to to eke out that that extra you know minor percentage of damage or that survivability that you would need for say. Another thing that has been interesting with the Tequaddle and Worm and Marionette even a little bit is the is it moves PVE away a little bit from the Zerker meta. Do you feel that that is something that raids should continue, or do you feel that that's actually somewhat non-important? I actually encourage the designer choices for build diversity. I think build diversity is one of the best things that you know we can offer to some of this content. Um, I look to tri- you know, Triple Trouble Worm with the, the, the Condi Husk as one of the best examples of this, that you cannot consistently kill the husk unless you're full Condi, which requires a different build than over the, the entire Zerker meta. So moving away from the general accessibility of raids and into more the general design philosophy of raids, how do you feel 
that raids do you or do you even feel that raids fit into the current guild wars system i actually am a strong believer that the current game mechanics are mostly unsuitable to raids just because of the um the combat style you know raids require um and most typical past mmos had the, the you know firstly dealt with the holy trinity the the tank the damage dealer the healer type of setup with Guild Wars, you have the, the, the action-based combat with the dodging mechanics. And so you're seeing a lot of content that from, from Guild Wars 2 that requires things to dodge an attack or you're going to be down to one hit. You're going to make sure you're not in a certain area or you're going to die in one hit. Make sure you're, you're mobile in certain aspects. But at the same other side of that spectrum, you have the, well, um, for dungeons, we're going to stack in this one spot and just DPS cleave it all down. I, I think... You know, having those two mechanics um, as one as an intended and the other one as an unintended uh, form of mechanic for the game, I, I don't see that working very well in terms of the traditional raids that many people are looking for in Guild Wars 2. Are there any are there any mechanics in Guild Wars 2 that you think re- are really suitable for raids? I would actually look at the, the recent uh, Living Story update with the, the Super Waste 4 bosses, The Breach. Um, each one requires mechanics that are actually quite unique to each, you know, each in- individual encounter and do require more than just mindless, uh, um, you know, Zerg stacking and do require you to understand what's going on around you and what, what other mechanics come into play for that encounter. Uh, the platinum, uh, thresher is one I would actually like to, to point out here is, is the, you know, it has the four rooms and, you know, if you damage the poison bubbles around the actual thresher, he will teleport to another area. So you have to have some people going up, you know, ahead of time and, and clearing out some of those, those bubbles. That way you get more damage on the boss during that five minute period. So if you were going, so do you feel, how do you feel about open world versus instance then for raiding or even just the more complex challenging encounters? Ultimately, I think it's a mixed bag. Um, I would love to see more open world content because that does tend to bring, you know, the community together. It brings people who may have not had the chance to experience some of that content before. Also, oh, they're in this big open area with these people who are doing it. Well, maybe they can, you know, hang along and you know, tag along and, and help out with that. Whereas I see instance areas being great. You can get the people you want to in there, but you're also excluding a large population from being able to do that content, especially depending on how that entrance is gained. If it's raid, if it's guild only, you run the risk of excluding a lot of people who may not have that chance to do it. Um, and of course, there's also the problem with, you know, we don't know how well uh, they can handle the current uh, influx of certain people from certain guilds or for other content. The mega servers were a good start, but I would like to see that more flexible system to allow more people in as well. If you're going to design a raid boss, for example, how would you go about doing that? Would you want it to be more open world or would you want it to be instanced? And sort of what mechanics do you think would be interesting built on the current Guild Wars system? That's a really tough, tough uh, design decision there because um, I I do like the open world content. I, I think that getting more people in there would be a great bonus. Uh, the closed world content, which we would call the instances, would be a nice like private area so you can actually do the hard, more hardcore stuff. Um, in many cases, there could be a, a chance of having both. Um, doing like an entrance event, say, like Triple Trouble Worm or the Sewer Waste for, uh, for Breach areas, uh, and leading into a private instance would actually probably work really well as you know, in addition. As for actual mechanics for an actual encounter, um, Again, I look at Triple Trouble Worm. Um, you know, Guild Wars the Arena team did a really good job with the Triple Trouble Worm event, with having you know the, the Conda use and 
um, the different mechanics for each worm and the the adaptation you have to have in case of certain things go wrong and the, the coordination received there. Uh, I, I think that would be not necessarily a good litmus, but a good inspiration to take from, as well as the current uh, silver waste stuff as well. I think that's a great inspiration I would take from as well. With having different encounters require different mechanics, such as, uh, oh, this mob can't be cleared out with anything but Condi. Um, this worm, you know, has has an has a, a sequence telegraph AOE that must be avoided in certain cases. But at the same time, I would like to see less of a reliance on ArenaNet's part to do the one-hit mechanics, where you, you know, if you don't don't dodge this one hit or you don't do, um, you know, move to this one certain area, it's you're instantly down. That makes we'll sense. Think, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm trying to think here. Uh, what else uh, could be implemented in that as well? But there is just they have the opportunity to put a lot of really well th- thought out items without having to resort to the cheaper tactics that we have seen um, in their designs in the past. And I, I think they're in, on their way of moving out of that entire mindset, which is a great idea. Yeah, I've been thoroughly impressed actually with the with their progression of boss quality. It is it has been fascinating, and in fact, Silver Wastes even it almost feels like it's like a proto raid zone, a pupa of a raid zone. Where if you went in instance, it would be fascinating to see how they would tune it for the actual for a small group of players or a guild of players. So oh, yeah. oh, I have to agree with that. Uh, I think the, that uh, their their entire mindset on it becoming more mechanic-focused as opposed to ability-focused in their mechanics, uh, it is a great idea, and I think um, I would love to see how that plays in like privatized instances with smaller groups of people and how they would turn to balance those types of mechanics as well. So with, a, with an instance... We know that they can get instances all the way up to 150 people. What sort of size do you think rating should be designed around? Do you think it should be... How do you think that should be designed as far as size goes? I've seen a lot of discussions regarding scaling and, you know, trying to get as, you know more people in there as well. Uh, again, Triple Trouble Worm, um, you know, we've we've done our theory crafting, we've done our, our working, and we've you know, run the, the event enough time to know that if you have... All three worms staffed with, you know, incredibly competent people running a correct build, running equip, you know, correct equipment. We that we think the minimum that we could probably do that, you know, counter is somewhere between the lines of seventy to seventy-five people. That's about, you know, twenty-three to twenty, you know, twenty-five people per worm. Um, while it's great to have this 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 feeling of, oh wow, we a bunch of these people came together and accomplished this this big supreme feat. I do think that having that many people and requiring that many people is on the spectrum of being unattainable. You, you really can't sustain that type of, of long-term rating, which we are uh, actually seeing attuned. Um, but at the same time, we don't think that having the, the small-scale miniature-style rating content would be that well um, received either, because now not only you're you're focusing on a small group of you know, quote-unquote elitists, you're also excluding a bunch of people who may not have the chance to get you know that content uh Access, uh, you know, access for them to actually see what this content is. So I would probably say that um, thirty would probably be a good uh, minimum entry. Having you can, it's easy to get thirty people together. You know, you have the, the the three groups of ten if you want to split them up for certain mechanics, stuff like that. So um, I would probably say thirty, no more than fifty, just to be a, a nice um, medium number. So do you find that? Do you think it would be better to have? 
solid numbers, uh, set numbers. What do you think about or scaling? Which do you which do you think would be better for a rating environment? I think that having set numbers is probably the best way to go. Um, as experienced with Triple Trouble, when it first came out, there were many issues with scaling. Um, the event it, it wasn't really intended to have a you know a, a lower amount of people trying to complete it, but also at the same time wasn't intended to have a large amount of people you know attempt it at the same time. Uh, but unfortunately, that was the way it happened when it first came out. For the first uh, three months, you know, we were hard capping maps, and and the green had had to really scale down that content or scale it up in some instances to to help accommodate that large influx of people. Now, you know, almost a year down the line, and and we're seeing that you know we're constantly running at our minimum numbers that we would like to do, um, which is about ninety people, and we're seeing that now. It's still it's still accessible and still completable, but it's obvious that you know the overscaling to accommodate the larger groups of people is is not working out as well as it should have you know in the past. So if you're bringing thirty people into a raid, which can be somewhat difficult for smaller guilds, uh, but if you're going to bring thirty people into the raid, how do you see that that raid playing out? Do you for which sort of systems would you like to see? Would you like to see, for example, adventure zone type systems or traditional World of Warcraft style instanced raids where it's you go into a zone and you kill bosses with some trash in between? If you're looking at like a 30-man raid, you would probably have to maybe focus more on the instant style content. Um, you can always have, of course, the, the adventure, adventure map areas uh, to lead into those instant areas, which would actually probably be a great idea because it would, you know, on the adventure maps, you can also get people who are wandering around those maps interested in that content and maybe even seeking out, you know, guilds of their own to actually complete this content. And then you can focus on the, the specialized mechanics of the instance-based raids by doing that as well. What would you think of an adventure map in and of itself actually being instanced to the people that are entering and that being essentially the instance raid. Are you asking like um, linear versus nonlinear content? Is that yes. what you're getting at? Yep. So essentially, WoW raids tend to be relatively linear with a few splits, whereas in Guild Wars 1 there were adventure zones or, or elite zones that were... They had quests and various things, but you went in with a small party to complete them, and they pushed your party to the limit of what the party was able to do until people had figured out all the mechanics. Do you see, with Guild Wars 2, them leveraging in a raid dynamic events and that sort of thing, or do you think that it would be better for them to just focus on creating very complex boss fights? I actually do like the idea of having, you know, raid adventure maps. I think that would be a really cool thing to, to implement. Um, when Guild Wars 2 first came out and we heard, of course, the, the entire ore scenario, we, a lot of us who were playing at the time thought it would be something very similar to that, where it would acquire a, a set number of people to actually go out and actually do like the opening of a temple or complete a long meta chain to actually to start up and, 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 and see that in game. Unfortunately, you know, at the time of release, we found out that this really wasn't so much as true as it was just typical Zerg style content with these different dynamic events. But having uh, something like that where you do have a branching idea uh, of where to go, I think would work really well with your course two systems in an adventure map mode. How do you feel about fail states? Um, in the case of a wipe, are you kicked out? Do you think there should be a second chance? How how strict do you think rage should be in that sort of sense? 
I, I believe that there should be fail states, but they shouldn't be exclusionary. Meaning that if you fin if you completely fail an entire meta, um, I don't think it should be like, oh, you're just kicked out of the, the instance. I think it should be, oh, we're going to reset you back to a previous state, and you have to to go from that state all over again. Uh, it's very similar to what we you know, of course, World of Warcraft did for for certain encounters. Um, I'll actually look to the most recent release of, of Destiny and their raid uh, on the console. It's how they they do theirs. It's um, they have a particular on their raid. They have a particular event where it's a long chain of just events, and um, they do have fail states. And if you hit those fail states, it'll actually set you back to a checkpoint. But you still have to you know finish that particular event to move on to the next event, which is almost immediate. So there should be fail states, and they should not be overly harsh because if you make them overly harsh, you you really hit a a morale blow, blow to the people participating in that content. But at the same time, you shouldn't make it so forgiving that if you can't finish this content, oh, we're going to, you know, put you so close to where it wouldn't matter that you failed anyway. One thing that uh, some people actually do find fairly, uh, some people find punitive is, or they just hate, is things like jumping puzzles and those sorts of very sort of niche skill type mechanics. Do you see those sorts of things making their way into raids in Guild Wars 2, or do you think they should keep them out? I think they should be included, but they should not be mandatory, meaning they should not be required to actually complete something certain in that raid. Um, again, Destiny is a great example of this. In one point in the raid, you have a jumping style, jumping puzzle style uh, um, progression to get through. But if you don't feel like you can do this jumping puzzle, you can actually uh, you know, leave the, the raid party and let them advance to a point where you can actually join back in. All of a sudden, oh, you, you, know, you don't have to worry about that jumping puzzle. You're right up to the next step. So it's not mandated. It's kind of mandatory for the raid to progress, which is not a good idea. But you know, people who don't want to do that do have an option of, um, you know, maybe against the, the developer's mechanics in terms of Destiny's case. But they do have the option of not having to worry about that. Guild Wars 2 does have some ways to work around the the hatred of jumping puzzles. For example, if it required the entire raid to complete it, you could always have a mesmer with a portal or someone who brings a watchwork portal. One thing that I was that has always been interesting is the concept of secret bosses behind those sorts of things or even using jumping puzzles in a fight where you have to do a jumping puzzle in a certain amount of time to flick a switch to get some sort of advantage or maybe even break a boss out of an invincibility phase. How do you see those sorts of weird sorts of environmental and movement mechanics working into raids? Uh the idea of like a secret boss hidden behind uh one of those movement uh side side events I would probably say would be probably a really good idea uh, and of course having the option of you know once someone completes that particular particular uh, progression having the ability to get people around that is, is a great idea as well as for environmental effects I think they work but at the same time I, I know a lot of people who don't like that style of stuff fractals uh, the thumb and over reactor is actually a great example of that with the disappearing uh, platform as you're going through the boss fight at the very end um, I know a lot of people who really like that. I myself really like that style of, oh, I have to make sure I watch where I go. But I know a lot of people who are like, I hate this because, you know, I, I don't move fast enough or I'm not skilled enough to, to get out of the way or to, to, you know, focus on damaging the boss and looking where I'm going. And oh no, I have this bomb on my head that I have to make sure that I'm in a spot where I can get out of that style of stuff. It does have its, its inclusionary aspects in the, in the game. Um, but I do know there are several people who would not prefer that to be a part of the encounters. Interesting. So, thoughts, words. <laughs> uh, 
We have a saying in our guild, though, words are hard. Oh, words are so hard, and that's that's one reason why Kate is always like, hey, we have to have show notes, and then I'm like, show notes? I'm gonna wing this sucker. <laughs> oh. Shall we talk about rewards? I think we should move into rewards. Since we're just, since we're basically like rapid-firing questions to you, Ozma, with this is probably going to be a shorter episode, but hey, that's cool. We're already at half an hour, so rock on. Of course, who knows after we remove all of my random babbling where we will actually be at. I mean, if, if you're interested <laughs> in just randomly talking about stuff, I've, I'm always all about that. I have many, many input to many things to input, and none of it may be what people want to hear, but hey. No, that's what opinions yeah. are for. So far, it's been it's been fantastic. So let's go ahead and move into talking about rewards, and then we'll move into sort of a free state where we just brainstorm, or you can answer any questions you or ask yourself any questions you feel we haven't asked yet, which is always a good thing to be able to do. <laughs> rewards, though, back on track. Let's uh, let's talk about. Sort of the situations that we've got in the game with rewards. There are ways to get Ascended Gear. There are now some trinkets from the Halloween event that add particle effects. You have effects from or legendary weapons. All these different things. Skins, minis, tons of, tons of different ways to get rewards. What sorts of rewards do you see a raid giving players if it is, you know top-tier challenging content. Rewards are an interesting topic to talk about because this is ultimately what keeps your player base from continuing on with the the content. Um, I think that rewards, or in this case reward advancement, should be objectively desired. Um, You need to have both short-term and long-term rewards for people to keep pulling them in and keep them coming back to that, 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 that encounter. So how do you see that playing out for long-term versus short-term rewards? How how would you, if you were getting it and you were going to play it, what are, what would you look for in that sort of environment? Uh, Taquadal had a really good balance of having the the short-term and and short-term rewards. You know, after you complete the event, you have the four chests, depending on on you know how well you did during the battery defense phases and stuff like that. Um, but Unfortunately, you know, you're looking at a group of people who have, may have done Tequadal every day for an entire year and still haven't received, you know, a Tequadal's hoard. Uh, same thing goes for the Triple Trouble Worm. Now, I have people who have attended almost every single, you know, I- I- encounter we have done with that and still have not received a single piece of wor- exclusive worm-related gear. Um, so I think that ultimately cosmetic rewards are good. Um, you know, you can have that RNG for specifically cosmetic rewards. These are um, Type of, of rewards that are obtainable, but have a specific, you know, a feel to them. Uh, they could be alternate skins with special particle effects, for example. Uh, toys work as well. Tonics. Um, those can all be tied in with that, that short-term style of uh, reward mechanic that they like to put out there with stuff like the the Tricotal's Horde and the Regurgitated Warm Armor drops. But I think that in order to keep people consistently coming back, is the ability to guarantee loot. For a long-term investment, uh, token systems work really well for this, um, and these should be rewards that aren't necessarily non-cut. You know, they can be cosmetic, but they should be objectively satisfying to obtain for the long-term commitment. Uh, I'm talking specific, exclusive, uh, uh, you know, gear that has a, a you know like a unique armor set would be a great idea to have a token system. Um, and then for the RNG cosmetic stuff, you can actually add in. Um, 
you know, maybe an item that would upgrade one of those exclusive long-term investments to make it better. But you should also have the ability to to uh, have the way to actually obtain rewards, um, the same reward in different ways as well. So, do you feel that do you feel that having things exclusive to that type of or with a token system, a lot of people tend to want to be able to unlock all the rewards with the token system. Do you feel that it is actually good to have things like, for example, the special weapons from the Path 2 of Twilight Arbor? Do you feel that those actually do create a long-term investment for people to be continually going back attempting to get those? Or do you feel that the drop rates of these things are just too low right now? I would have to... It's nice to have something exclusive to go for. It's always been a, a driving force behind a lot of you know content in the past, not just necessarily Guild Wars 2, but other games as well. But having it all gated under an RNG system with no alternates to getting some of these highly desired items is a bad design decision I would not agree with. I think that having a, a token system, or at least bumping up in this case the RNG to where if you're running, you know, the the either path, you know, to that you know, you know, five, ten, fifteen runs down the line, you're you're at least going to get something. It may not be what you want, but you can at least say, Hey, I got this out of there as opposed to being like, Oh, I've run it twenty five times and all I've gotten was this hat. With that, do you feel then that rewards should one thing that you t- that we talked about is, or that you mentioned, is you feel that exotic should be what the at least the initial part is balanced around. Do you feel that perhaps rating should be a way for people to start to work towards ascended gear, and by the end be geared for ascended gear and be getting ascended gear out of the raid? I would actually absolutely agree with that. Having the ability to give players an alternate way of obtaining. Um, ascended armor is something that the game has needed for a while. Just having it realized solely on, you know, time-gated crafting is a bit much, or, or you know, have to worry about running guild, you know, guild missions to get the commendations or doing your dailies every day. I think that having, oh, we're going to have this content where, you know, if you do well enough, eventually you're going to get something out of it, like an ascended armor piece, or maybe another second arm, ascended armor piece, or maybe do an actual armor drop. You know, it's like they do with the, the fractal random rewards. It's, oh, you have done this enough times or you got lucky enough where you got an actual armor box. So you can actually pick your rewards, but you still have something to look forward to. That is pretty comprehensive over rewards. Is there any other topic that you feel that we need to hit or anything that you'd like to talk about uh, with regards to raids as a concept or anything that we're gonna, that we haven't touched on or any th- sort of just overall thoughts? Well, I mean, we can talk about the rating CDI. Which, uh, I, you know, I mentioned to you, you know, when we talked before, was I, I didn't agree with it when it first started. Um, you know, reading through it as well. Um, you know, I got to the page four when I first started reading it, and I, I eventually stopped because it was just the same things I saw over and over again. Where it was people looking for, oh, we want you know, World of Warcraft style rating put in here, or we want specific mechanics put in here, whereas they weren't looking at what you know, Arena was looking for from their ty- their their style of, of outlook. They wanted the whole. What do you want from a Guild Wars two style sp- perspective? So, since since you didn't agree with that, what sort of what thoughts were you having when you were going through that? What what do you feel? What what did you th- what did you want to put into that or to contribute or or even just how did you disagree and where were your thoughts going with your disagreement? 
most of the input I saw from a lot of people were it's all about so we want the exclusionary content, the hardcore rating style of content that you see in, in you know World of Warcraft that you saw in EverQuest and and still seeing stuff like EverQuest two and you know Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, those are are mostly what people think of when they think of rating and for having you know. Just a, a post by Arena saying, oh, hey, we're going to do a rating CDI. We want your input on rating. I think that was ex asking a little bit too much of the community to, without giving them a context for what they need to think about when they're actually inputting it in. And later on, of course, you know, I noticed a few posts by Chris Whiteside in the actual CDI saying, hey, we're not looking for uh, what you want in, in response to what you've seen in other games. We want to know what you want in terms of Guild Wars 2 system. And it still took a while before people got onto that. Um, I remember reading one of the summary posts that a, a third party had posted about it. And eventually a lot of the you know, suggestions and proposals were starting to make sense with what, you know, what Chris Whites was looking for in the terms of what gameplay mechanics you want from Guild Wars 2's rating. So well, that's good to hear because it's, it's nice that they're able to work, that you get the work with, that Chris Whiteside will work with the community to sort of get them on on track with what they're looking for and is there anything you would add to that or anything that you think that uh, would definitely be a good direction for them to go I would really say to look towards a style of, of game that they want to build um, by doing so you're looking at a um, ultimately you're looking at your your type of uh, your path of how you want your content to finally end up a lot of stuff, you know, when a lot of developers do stuff, never ends up the way they originally intended it to be. Um, and you also have the very unpredictable element of having your players. Uh, you can look at a lot of the mechanics that's, that ArenaNet has uh, done. They've always wanted their gameplay to be open and accessible. And they wanted it to, um, you know, be, you know, to be completed. But they never, you know, never anticipated the type of mechanics and type of Workarounds that most that the player base would would do. For example, you know, of course, the dungeon meta was with the stacking and and you know doing as much cleave damage as you can. And in some of the cases of their actual open world content, it's the same thing. It's oh, you stack here and and cleave down some certain things before you work onto another mechanic. Well, yeah, and cool, good to know. So, it, anything else that you'd like to like to talk about before we close up here? Um, probably the last thing I'd probably touch up on was the is. If ArenaNet is very keen on on fostering and trying to nurture a rating community, um, they they can't abandon it. You know, the in the past we've seen from a lot of their their style of things is a lack of long term support for a lot of their um, events and and content pieces that a lot of people enjoy. Um, I look to Dungeons as the biggest example of this. Uh, you know, for a while there, at the very start, it was like, oh, you know, ArenaNet is going to to look at these dungeons. And they did. They went back and, and changed a lot of the dungeons. But overall, for the amount of content that we've had since release, uh, they have largely abandoned probably dungeons. And if, to a smaller scale, they, they've kind of abandoned a large open-world content in terms of stuff like Triple Trouble, you know, hard, you know, Hardcore to Quaddle when they redid that. We have not received something of those magnitudes outside of, I would say, maybe Marionette would probably be the closest. But that was very close to the Triple Trouble Worm event. So I would love to see them actually to, to provide a very long-term support for rating content if they decide that this is a, a path that they want to take. Well, cool. Is there anywhere that people can follow you or anywhere that, or do you get, does Attuned have a website? Uh, Attuned does have a website. It's attuned.engine.com. 
Um, we are in the process of trying to get some things sorted on that website. Um, there's be a little bit of a restructuring recently in terms of how that information is displayed on the website. Um, but you're welcome. People are welcome to go on there. Uh, you know, if people want to join up or just figure out what we're all about. You know, you can go up there and, and look at that. We also have a tactic section, which people who are interested in stuff like the Triple Trouble Worm, uh, we will have things up there like our recommended builds and and other things as well. And for people who are actually interested in you know running Triple Trouble Worm with us, we do our events for uh, our guild events like that every uh, Thursday and Saturday, about an hour and a half after reset, which is about um, oh god, time zone through. About 7.30 Central, so about 5.30 Pacific and, and 8.30 uh, Eastern. Cool. And can, you, can people find you on Twitter at all? Uh, no, I actually do not like Twitter. <laughs> I tend to stay away from, from those types of sites. That's understandable. I avoided Twitter until I started working on Relics of War, and then I realized I kind of need this for advertising. But uh, no, that makes sense that you're not on Twitter. I, I approve. Well, cool. It has been fantastic talking to you, and hopefully we'll be able to get this up in the next few days. And thank you for thank you for coming and talking to us. Not a problem. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget. Put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show. 